Hi, I'm Jacqueline, and this is Mothering Through, a podcast for women and moms who are just doing the best that they can. Thanks for joining me today. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, Today, we have a very special guest. Uh, I could probably biasedly say my favorite guest, because it's my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, obviously, because she's my mom, I think she's the best mom. Um, Some would argue that their own mothers are the best, but they're not. My mom's the best. (laughs) Um, But I am really excited to talk to her today about, um, specifically, I wanted to talk to her about like the phases of motherhood and how how they've been for her because you've had babies, you've had toddlers, kids, young adults, or teenagers, young adults, and now you have adult children. And um, I think there's a there's a unique perspective there that I want to ask you about and see kind of what your experience has been. But before we get into that specifically, let's uh, let's let's learn about you because I know about you, but not everybody knows about you. <laughs> so um, yeah, give us a little background. Tell us tell us where you're from, where you live now. Give us your whole story. story yeah uh, let's see um well i'm natalie jacqueline didn't say that oh yeah this is my mom she does have a name it is natalie <laughs> sorry <laughs> to me you're just mom so i was born in the 60s so i'm, I'm kind of old um <laughs> but i don't remember the 60s i wasn't part of the 60s but it's old uh, i grew up i was born in bountiful utah uh, grew up most of my life there, all my life there, through high school. Um, I'm the youngest of three children. Uh, I have an older sister who's two years older than me and a brother who's four years older than me. And they were both adopted, so... Um, which is kind of a unique experience, kind of fun and interesting. And you were not adopted. I was not adopted. I was a surprise baby, so... Um, it was kind of eventful for my mom and dad. I uh, didn't know they were ever going to have kids. And um, lucky for them, they were able to adopt two children. And um, they thought that was going to be it. And then along came Natalie. So <laughs> um, after I graduated from high school, I went to college and um, didn't really know what I wanted to do. My dad's like, you should go in dental hygiene. I'm like, Okay. I'll go to dental hygiene. And I did a commuter school, Weaver State. And While you were living at home? Yep, lived at home, commuted every day, hated it, didn't know anybody, didn't really get to know anybody, and didn't get into the dental hygiene program. So <laughs> I decided I wasn't going to stay there. Well, and you, went, you also went to one year at BYU, right? Yeah, so that's what I did the next year. I decided that I would diversify myself and not pinhole myself into this, the one college at, U, at Weaver State. So I decided to take more classes that would allow me to apply to other dental hygiene programs because I was going to go into dental hygiene. Because your dad told you to go into dental hygiene. hygiene. (laughs) Okay. And uh, so I went to BYU for a year. I loved it. Um, Went fall and winter and spring semester and just 
had a great time. Um, lived off campus, but my best friend Steph was there because she was a year behind me in school, and so we just had a really great time. It was a lot of fun, and I really, really, really thought about changing my major. I was going to go into speech pathology. But you didn't change your major. No, I, I, I didn't because it, I knew it was a graduate degree program. I just thought to myself, oh, I could never go six years of college. I could just never do that. I can barely go four. <laughs> So I was like, nah. And then I took one class, and I didn't really feel like it was a very good representation of what speech pathology was really about, and I didn't like the class. So I was sure, like, oh, this is going to be bad. I'm not going to do this. But I kind of wish I would have at this point now. I think looking back, this is a long story, but looking back, dental hygiene um, just didn't have some of the benefits that you would have gotten as a speech pathologist that would have been beneficial to us as I aged. Like, Like now? Yeah, like... Um, you could work part time, so get insurance, those kind of things, and just uh, and you, you don't, don't think about that stuff though when you're no. when you're first and, starting. And out. my parents were self employed, so insurance was never a thing when I were younger. You know, they didn't think of like, well, get a job, they can get a four hundred one k, they can get mm-hmm. um, insurance. That just wasn't on the plate when we were talking about things. It was just a flexible job as a mom, which dental hygiene was always. So I didn't stay at BYU, and I got into Idaho State the next year. Went to dental hygiene school in Pocatello at Idaho State. Um, most of my credits transferred, but not all. there were still a few things I had to take in order to graduate from Idaho State when I finished. So between my junior and senior year, I went to Utah, University of Utah, to take a couple of classes. So you kind of went to like all the schools. Yeah, I went to Utah, University of Utah, BYU, Weber. And Idaho State. And finally finished my degree at Idaho State. Um, that was in 1987. And um, I had a friend who was moving to Boise. And so she's like, you should go to move to Boise with me and work up here. And I had an aunt and uncle who lived in Boise. So we went to Boise. And that's where I met Brent. Um, my friend was not a member of my church. And so she, uh, I decided I wanted to investigate dating in someone with my um, uh, from my religion so anyway i took an institute class met my husband he's from the treasure valley the rest is history stayed here and then and then you got a job in in boise yep got a job in boise out in napa actually and got married and then he went back to school in utah so you moved back to utah for a couple years, but then you ended up back in Boise. Yeah, and then he came. We came back because he wanted me back here and work for Micron and live by his family. So and we, then we started our family just before we moved back. Jacqueline was born in '92, and uh, just before we moved back to Boise, just before Brent graduated from college, and then we had Madison, who was born in '96, and Austin in 1999. So, how old were you when you had me? I was 27 when I had Jacqueline. Um, 31 when I had Madison, <laughs> if my math is correct, and 34 when I had Austin. Um, we really wanted a boy at the end, so I was grateful that we had a boy because I was at that, I felt like I'd given myself... You felt pressure? Well, I'd given myself a timeline of like, I'm going to have all my kids by 35, and I, he squeaked in at 34, so I was like, okay, we're good. Um, raised our kids here all their whole high school years and then um we all moved away yeah 
And now everyone's going back to Utah. So. Um, so you ended up in Boise because of your job and you continued to work when us kids were young. I have a lot of memories coming home from school with notes on the kitchen counter of what we had to do before you got home from work. Yeah. And I, and I, that, that was a decision that we made that I would work a little bit because I had a flexible job. But when you were really little, like until Austin really got into kindergarten, I, I kind of stayed home. So I worked a little bit when, like when you were little. Yeah. Okay. Um, then when I had Madison, I kind of quit until Austin was a little bit older. And I might have worked subbed here and there, but I didn't really work when you were like really little. And like and Madison and Austin were really little. Like really little meaning elementary school or really toddlers, little meaning like before toddlers. we went to school. Yeah, toddlers before we went to school. So you went back to you went back to work like when we were in elementary school. Yeah. Yep. Yep. When Austin started kindergarten, that's when I really remember. Um and maybe maybe preschool. Because your dad worked a shift and so because yeah, dad worked at night. Yeah. So, and he, so he could take care of us after we got home from school. Yeah. And he was off Mondays and Tuesdays. So I usually if I worked I would work those days. So I wouldn't have to have daycare. So do you feel like, looking back, do you feel like um, there were any aspects of being a working mom that benefited us? I would say there was give and take as far as that goes. I mean, I I, I did like what I did. I did like dental hygiene. And I did like um, the social aspect of meeting and you know talking to patients and stuff. And I liked my job. And I liked that it was flexible. I liked that it... You know, I could be a mom first and participate in all aspects of my kids' life. But yet, it also gave your dad an opportunity to parent as well on his own. Um, it, the hardest part was when you guys were sick and you were, were and summers. Summers were the worst. Absolute worst. Because we were just home by day. ourselves. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think when you say... Um, benefits. I would guess it would just it it taught you a little bit to be independent. I mean, obviously, Austin would get off the bus in like third grade, second or third grade, third grade, which floors me now. Like that's so young, and he'd let himself in. He'd go in. He knew the garage code because we lived on Eleventh Avenue. Okay, he'd go in, and I think he loved that. He could. He knew what kind of snacks he could make, <laughs> and he could play his video games until you got home. Yeah. Well, because or, let's. You would get home around five, and you guys got home around four. Four. Yeah. So four well, like, we weren't really home by ourselves that long. No. Like he he got off the bus probably at three because well, he did the elementary school. Yeah, they got out like two thirty five, two forty, something like that. And we got out an hour later, right? To three thirty. Yeah. I can't, I can't believe he was home alone. I know, for like an hour <laughs> by himself. I know. Bad well, parent. Bad parent. <laughs> That's okay. He was fine. He was fine. Yeah, he was. He went in, opened the garage, shut the garage door right behind himself. It's fine. He just, he knew what to do. Yeah. Um, has it been interesting to see, now that you've been in all the, like, the different roles of, you know, you were a child and then you were a parent and now you have a child who is a parent... Um, has it been interesting to see the evolution of parenthood and the differences that that parents in my generation make versus when you were a parent or when you were being parented? Um, yeah, I mean, well, I, let's start with the evolution of you being a parent. It 
just thinking back today, we had this conversation, um, if you remember, Jacqueline, or Brooklyn, um, made those eggs. We, we, we had a little pre-Easter celebration where we boiled some eggs, and Harper was napping, and Jacqueline was doing something with her recordings, and um, she decorated some eggs. It was great. They were sitting on there. Harper got from her nap, and Harper, Harper dropped the egg. Is that what happened? Cause I was yeah, t- I think she knocked the egg to the ground. And so it, the, the whole shell cracked, and Brooklyn had... Lost her mind. Lost her mind. And I, in my way of parenting, was like, Brooklyn, it's just an egg. Stop crying. It's not that big of a deal. We have three other eggs. And it was just interesting to watch how you dealt with that. Because I, I just looked at it I was like, this is so stupid. Why is she crying over a stupid cracked egg? She has three of them. We're going to crack them anyway, and we're going to eat them. <laughs> we're going to throw them away tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Brooklyn, Harper and I will eat the hard-boiled eggs. It's fine. Yeah, but Harper will eat anything. But Anyway, and just the way that you I talked her down and recognized her feelings, and I feel like that's something that your your generation and you, I mean, I, don't, I can't comment to other parents or other mothers, but... I noticed that you like that you validate her feelings a lot more. Then it's just ugh, you're so stupid. Why are you mad about that? This is so dumb. But to her, like you've always said, this was a big thing. This was a big. This is a big deal to her. And so, um, I love that you do that. And it's not something that I even could even try to do with her now. Even as a grandma, I'm like, I'm still like, this is so stupid. Stop crying. <laughs> That's not true. You you try. You do try. I, I recognize you, and I can see that it's, like, really unnatural for you a lot of the times, but I do recognize that you try to, like, you're like, okay, yeah, like, I know that's hard, but let's, come on, like, let's move on, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, and it is hard. It's even, for me, it's hard, too. It's It's interesting because I feel like as you become a parent, you only know what you, the way you were parented, and I think that's why it's important to have multiple perspectives and why I'm so grateful to have Silas there with me because he's able to be like, well, this is the way that we did things. And I can say, well, this is the way that we did things. And we can say, well, I didn't like that. Or I did like that. I'd like to incorporate this. And you have just multiple perspectives on how to, how you want to parent. And um, yeah, because you only know what you know. Yeah. Well, and I feel like that's true with your, and I feel like your dad brought a lot of that in kind of with uh, the conversations that we always have with our kids, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't something we didn't, I don't know if his parents sat around, chit chatted with each other, but we didn't do that at my house. So I, I did love that, that he brought that to our family or that he helped with that. Yeah. Because I feel like that was something that was really important, and I, I didn't have, and th- that allowed us to be more involved in your lives. I think, um, and like you said, you only my my mom and dad only knew what they knew, and they 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 lived on um, in the depression, and they lived on a farm, and yeah, th- that's where all their energy went. It, it wasn't in building relationships with each other. And my mom, bless her heart, she had a very unique situation where she grew up living with her grandparents because her parents divorced very early and so her situation was you know a lot different in learning how to build a relationship because she really just had her mom was there um, to provide for her yeah she didn't have like a relationship with her mom yeah it was just completely different and 
I th- I want to say the times were different. Oh, for that, sure. That wasn't what they they worked on. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, maybe subconsciously, that was just different for me because the times were different. And I, I had a lot more free time to go and be flexible to be involved in your lives. And so I did. Um, my my life allowed me to do that. Besides the fact that I feel like I'm just very nosy. I just want to know everything about... You definitely pass that on to me because I'm also extremely nosy. I just want to know everything. So I, I don't want to miss out. I mean, if I could be a fly on the wall when you were in elementary school and stuff, I'd like, I'd have been oh, there. If they no. had cameras, I'd been like, logging into the camera. Well, that's why I have cameras in my kids' rooms. I know, but I'm just saying, you can't do that when you get to school, but school, right. you got to be in the, in the dark a little bit, you know? I hate that. I know. Well, I love when when... Brooklyn's teacher sends me pictures of her at preschool. It's so oh. cute. But I, cause I agree. I'd love to be a, I think most parents f- probably feel that way. Just that they'd like to be a fly on the wall and see what their kids are like when they're not around. Cause your kids are just, it's so interesting because Brooklyn will go with you somewhere and you're like, Oh, she was so great. She was so pleasant. And the second she gets back to me, it's like <laughs> she turns into <laughs> a different child. And I know and we've talked about this before. I know it's because like I am her safe space mm-hmm. and like I recognize that and I try to keep that perspective in mind. But yeah, it's just I would love to see what she's like when I'm not there. Even yeah. even just with Silas. Like I would I, I want to know what they're like without like with just Silas because I think that'd be really interesting. Well, and I just I feel like that's why I was more involved like going to like different things with you all the time. Like trying to go to your field trips or trying to go or make sure that I was at your choir concerts or your choir festivals, festivals or, mm-hmm. or whatever things that were just for you specific yeah. or Austin's basketball games. Or, I mean, it was a little bit different with Austin because my relationship with him was different than it was with both you and Madison. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I liked, and I liked when like Madison would come home for lunch sometimes with her friends. And I, I loved that. I mean, um, I just like getting to know them outside of what they did at school. You know what I'm saying? I feel like the way that you're talking, it's like you you were obviously a mother f- figure. To, like you were a mother figure because you were a mother. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> but like you also just like wanted to be our friend. I feel like in every season of our life, you've always just like wanted to be our friend and wanted to know what's going on in our life the way that a friend does. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's something to that in creating relationships with our kids because anybody who knows me and, and who talks to me about you and who like talks to me about my relationship with you knows that like you are my best friend, you and Madison are my best friends. And I feel like that was just a culture that you fostered in our home from day one was that like we talked like you like you were saying like you guys fostered a culture of like having conversations about deep topics at random times like it wasn't like okay we're going to have we we all need to sit down we all need to sit down and we need to have a discussion about this thing it was like we would just be like okay so we're at the dinner table we're like casually things would get brought up and i feel like that created a space so that we all felt like we could speak openly about issues or things that were bothering us or things that we were experiencing at school and I always I always tell people that poor Austin just knew way too much about the female anatomy because we 
we just had no filter in our house. And granted, I will say, now that I'm an adult, um, I've had to learn how to set boundaries with myself as far as like what I say to my siblings and how I, what I say to you guys. And, um, because we did, we just, we talked about everything and that was just something that was really normal and just like a part of our just everyday lives. Yeah. I mean, they, they say you should look for teaching moments with your kids and I just didn't feel like I, um, had to find those moments. I mean, I, I look back and wish that I could have been, more spiritually prepared for teaching moments. Like I wish I was like a better, like, I don't want to say scriptorian, but I just think so. Oh, well, you know, spiritually, I don't know that that you could use as a guide for your teaching moments or whatever. But I feel like everything else flowed really easily. I mean, whether it was in the car, whether it was in the family room watching TV or whether it was at the dinner table, but I am a big proponent of dinner. I'm a big proponent of, family dinner every night. We rarely, even when you guys were busy in high school, rarely did we not have dinner together. I know, I remember. Even, even when your dad had his crazy For schedule. somebody who really hates making dinner, uh, that's I a big know. accomplishment. I know. And your dad had that weird, wacky schedule. schedule that he had to be to work by a certain time, you know, when he worked mm-hmm. nights and stuff. We almost always had dinner together. Almost always. When, when he worked days... And you guys were little. We didn't eat together, but as you got to be teenagers and stuff, and middle school and stuff, we we pretty consistently had dinner together. And I think for me personally, that was a really important aspect of our family relationships. I agree. I think that's true. Silas and I <laughs> have this bad habit of we will watch some sort of a reality. We'll watch some reality show like Survivor or Amazing Race or MasterChef or, you know, some cooking, other cooking show sometimes at dinner because we're just both so tired that we don't want to like have to like have any conversations with our kids or like each other they're little though it's a lot different now i know plus you don't we didn't have like that much we didn't have streaming stuff right to, yeah to watch. you didn't have like on demand mm-hmm. stuff that you could watch um so once again circumstances but, are different but i will say i have told silas like multiple times i'm like you know what? No, like we need to like make sure we're having dinner and studies have shown, like I, I've read several Instagram posts <laughs> <laughs> that say that family dinner is like really, really important. And that's like a place where relationships like start and blossom and grow and stuff. So that wasn't intentional. It just kind of happened. So I'm not saying I planned that. I'm like, I'm going to have, make sure that we have dinner every night. I, that was not, that was just something that happened. And what do they call it? Organically. It just happened happened organically. organically. Yeah. So looking back at the different ages that we were, do you feel like, like, what was the, this is the main reason that I want to have this conversation because we have talked about your, your feelings towards the different ages that we were and what season has been your favorite as a mom. So what has been your favorite season? My favorite of motherhood was high school age. Why? You because I had good kids and I felt like there we had a really good trust between all of us. I mean, each child. So you liked having teenagers. I did. I liked it. I liked knowing your friends. I liked knowing what you're doing. I liked 
the independence that you had, but yet you're still under my rule, house rules, so you still had boundaries that you had to keep. Um, I didn't, I mean, I obviously there was little like spats and there were times when you we take each other off and we're naughty to each other, but by and large, I just I just loved the, the activities that you were involved in. I loved going to the, watching you guys in your choir concerts. I loved watching Madison play volleyball when she played for a while, for one year, yeah, a couple of years. She played middle middle, middle school too. Um, I loved watching Austin play basketball. I loved the interaction with all your friends. I loved your friends coming over. I liked to go. On, I liked to go to the dances. I loved all of that, and I I, I loved in Virginia with Madison. I loved being her seminary teacher. It was hard, but I loved that. I loved that she wanted to hang out with us all the time because of the circumstances that Virginia presented and her friendships were different there. Um, I, yeah, it was like by far my favorite. And, and like I said, you guys were good, good humans. You were just good. I mean, I never didn't have to worry about not being able to trust you. I felt like we had established that trust relationship and yeah, we were friends and I, I loved that by far. Babies were my hardest. No, I'd say toddler. Toddler were the hardest. When they drop an egg and you're like, this is so stupid, why are you crying <laughs> over a cracked egg? Yeah. Um, that was hard. And I mean, you know, people say, oh, I just... I love so much being a mom. I love being a mom. I mean, I I was grateful that God blessed me with anatomy that allowed me to be a mom. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't like, oh, this is what I was called for. I, you were I, never like passionate about it. Yeah. But you were like, okay, this is good. Like, I'm happy that I'm doing this. I'm happy to have kids and yeah. stuff. And I, when I I worked on trying to be better and tried to be, make our home better, and I tried to, you know. Back in the day, they had like classes you could take. Like, remember the twenty-five cent bag? I, I do remember learned that. I remember it. the you, random things you try to implement. You're like, I went to this parenting class, yeah, and we're gonna do this thing now. Which a lot of that stuff stuck. I feel like the twenty-five cent bag was one. I think the hardest phase has been adult children because they become independent and they have their own thoughts and their own. Well, and I feel like there's a difference between adult children. And young adult children, too. Oh, yeah. And married adult children. <laughs> yeah. And young adult children, yeah. Because I feel like you still have a little bit of say over your single adult children who are relying on you a little bit still. They still come home and, like, live with you for, you know. Sort of. You do till you don't. You do till they need you, and then they don't need you, and then they want you, but they don't need you. But it's this back and forth little game that they play. Which is very, dis- which is why it's been distressing. hard for you. <laughs> yes, like, do you want me to help you or not help you? So that's been very difficult. And I had a friend say to me once, she's like, I had to learn that when my kids would call, they would talk. He's like, Are you asking for my advice or are you just venting? She said, That helped me a lot. That's and- probably something we could all do in our, all of our relationships, yeah, including with our spouses. Sure, <laughs> because I feel like when they call me, they just want me to figure it out for them but yet they don't always want that mm-hmm. because they can google stuff just like i can google stuff right. <laughs> for the most part so and i don't know that i have all 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 the answers whereas as a kid they're the things that they come to you with are much more easily answerable mm-hmm. so you do have the answer for them right so 
I, I just think that, yeah, the young adult single phase, and I mean, Austin's not out of it yet, and Austin's not been it's terribly hard because he's still pretty easy because our relationship's just different than it is with, than my relationship with you and Madison is completely. So let's just put that out there. Madison's been the hardest young adult person to parent. But now that she's married, I wish I talked to her on the phone today. I'm like, but now that you're married, like she's oh, five months in, I'm like, yeah, you're like far better. <laughs> far better parenting. You've like really got up that last, like a steep curve. Well, I feel like because I got married when I was 23, so I was like pretty young. Yeah. And not that Madison's old, but she's definitely older older than I was. Like, I mean, she's 26. And so she was the same age that I was when I had Brooklyn. And so... Oh, she, you, were 20, you were 27 when you had Brooklyn? No, I was 26. Oh. 26 when I had Brooklyn, 29 when I had Harper. Okay. Um, so I feel like she was kind of in this weird, like, limbo spot where it was like... She, she was on her own because she was like living in Utah with roommates. She had a like full-time job. She's kind of like living her life, but also she would come home and then kind of want to be like your kid again. You know what I mean? So I feel like that there was like a weird, she was like straddling the line of like adult versus like still kind of under your jurisdiction a little bit. So I feel like that's why it was so hard with her because she would kind of pick and choose. (laughs) Yeah. what role she wanted to play that day. So, but yeah, I, I mean, the lines are more blurred. Well, and it just, you know, I am a planner and this is how the plan goes. And this is how your, my expectations. And I think that's what, and she and I have talked about this before that my expectations and her expectations were, are, are often not aligned. Oftentimes not aligned. Yeah. And so that, that kind of created some conflict. Yeah. So, but it's much better now. I mean, it's really, really gotten better. Well, we talked about how we've we've talked about how um, when you're trying to fix a relationship with somebody, it has to be both sided. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for a while, it, there was no communication going on, so it was like your guys' relationship was kind of out of whack because neither of you knew how to like communicate with the other person. I was the middleman. I was like, well, mom said, this is how she's feeling. <laughs> and then I'd go back to Matt. I'd go back to you and be like, well, Madison's feeling like this. And I was like, okay, you guys just need to have an open, honest. I feel like you're both afraid to hurt each other's feelings. Yeah. I just think we communicate differently than you and I, you and I communicate yeah, we're very, very carbon similarly. Copies. I'm a carbon copy of you. Yeah. So very similarly, but that's not saying that, I mean, Madison, we've always said is a lot like your dad and I communicate pretty well with him, but yeah. we've had 34 years to of practice. And also he's that. your husband. So it's different. Yeah. Anytime your kid, I mean, kids, kids are hard because you don't technically, you don't choose them. So like their personalities can often butt heads with yours. Yeah. Whereas with dad, it's like you chose to be together. Yeah. So it's a little bit different. For sure. So um, I feel like another conversation that we have often had is as parents, it's easy to want to help our children. But like, I feel like where is the line of helping versus enabling? I feel like for me, it's like really hard for me to see 
Brooklyn struggle with things. And so often I will just jump in and just do it for her. Or, you know, like if um, they're, my kids are fighting, I'm just, I'm there to like break up the fight. But it's like, how do I know when to step out and say, okay, they need to figure this out on their own. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was terrible at that when you were younger. I'll just put that out there right now. I'm a helicopter. I was so certainly a helicopter mom, as I all they say, as I say. Um, I don't like conflict. So for just specifically speaking about the fighting thing, I and I don't like my kids. I didn't want to see my kids fail. So I really, I mean, we've talked about this. It's kind of if you read the internet, <laughs> you. Which, you know, didn't have much of that when you guys were little. So, yeah. didn't. I jumped in way more often than I should have. And I didn't allow you to make more, as many decisions and figure things out on your own as you should have. I feel like now, like when someone will, like you'll come to me about something that one of your siblings did, whether it be your <laughs> most youngest sibling or your middle sibling, you'll say something. And I'll, the other sibling will say something to me. And I, I, find myself stepping back a little bit more I'm like I'm just gonna let them figure it out I don't know and there will be times when to the single young man in our family I might give him a little more guidance Mm -hmm. but I feel like I'm better at letting as an adult mother mother of adult children I feel like I'm a little bit better about letting you solve your own conflicts um but I still still Austin is still my baby boy, and I still enable him more than I should. And I don't know how to fix that until he gets married. And so, which is sad. Well, again, it's like that blurred line, right? Of like, how much do I help? How much do I step in? How much do I not? Because... I mean, like, he'll call me and ask me, how do I, how do, I do this? And I'm like, okay, well, like, for example, his eye has been twitching, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we've been talking about that, and he'll say... I need to go see an uh, eye doctor. And I'm like, okay. So, you know, I can't expect him. When you're learning how to adult, you have to, I'm going to say I'm going to enable them. I'm going to help them because he's like, I've never done this before. I don't know how to go find a, a provider for my. So we go through that. And then I ask him 15 times. So did you call? Did you go to the HR? Did you look on your thing? Have you done that? He's like, no, but I will. <laughs> next conversation so how's your eye have you done it I, I can't help myself I, and Madison will say you didn't you didn't do all that with me but there were lots of times when she called me like I don't want to well, call and she called doctor. me too I acted as her mom too so I don't I don't know how to do that I don't want to call him wouldn't you just call him sure I don't mind calling people I'll call for you it's fine I'm your mom but well I feel like it's easy for me to sit there and take for granted the resources that I have because most of my parenting comes from Instagram. <laughs> um, like I follow uh, like food accounts, like how to feed my kids, how to sleep accounts, um, parent like discipline accounts, like gentle, like there's just, there's something, there's an Instagram account for everything. Right. And like Silas loves to be like, oh, did your Instagram people tell you that? And I'm like, yeah, they did. And for a while, I was a little bit extreme where I'd be like, well, they said, the, the experts said, and he's like, they're just people on Instagram. 
Like why they're not ex like don't put so much merit to what they have to say. And so I have chilled out a little bit, but you know, it's nice to know and then be able to choose. Right. right. And then yeah. be able to make that choice of like, okay, <clears throat> I'm going to parent in this scenario, this specific way because of some of the like evidence that I've seen that it can be helpful or work or And I feel whatnot. like with, you know, like even when I went to those parenting classes, I mean, they give you a lot. It's a lot of information. It's like a dump. Yeah. Yeah. And whereas an Instagram... It's bite-sized. And it's frequent, more frequent. I mean, you can... And it's free <laughs> for the most part, unless you buy their courses. Yeah. So I feel like it's easier to in- incorporate those things for you because it's not like... I mean, obviously you would go to these printing classes and you get like a little handbook or whatever, but right. how often did you go back and reread those? Yeah. Or take good enough notes that you remember what you're going to say mm-hmm. or do or whatever. So while they were helpful, I mean, there were certainly things you, you could incorporate, you know, but mm-hmm. it's not at all like it is now and having social media, which is good and bad. Let's just be honest there. I mean, I had less of that of a distraction when I was a mom. I definitely think that that is one thing that, like, speaking of generational differences, like, it's definitely, social media is one of those things that it's really hard to be present sometimes, and it's wonderful to be able to have my phone where it's like I can whip out my camera and take pictures and videos of anything at any time, but also it's like, am I living in the moment enough, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's definitely, and that wasn't an issue, I feel like, with when we were kids, because you didn't have that technology or that like temptation of like, you guys play, I'm just going to sit here and scroll on my phone mindlessly. Yeah, for sure. So speaking of the difference in parenting versus when you were a mom of young kids, and now that I'm a mom who has young kids, how is being a grandma different than being a mom, in your opinion? And like, what advice do you have for me? as somebody who has gone through all those phases and now has adult children starting that like process out? Well, I, have, I always tell everyone, the only reason we have kids is so we can be a grandma. <laughs> because it's far, 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 far better to be a grandma. <laughs> because when the egg drops on the ground, you can just be like, what go, is her go problem? Ask your go mom. talk to your mom about this. Um, you can just watch the joy. You can just be, be there for the fun parts, you know? Yeah. You don't have to discipline them. You don't have to put up with the temper tantrums. You don't have to worry about if they're making good choices at school. You don't have to worry about if they're saying, you know, if they're being kind to their neighbor. You don't have to, I don't have to worry about any of that. I just get to go down and have fun with them and play with them and take them for treats and... Mm-hmm. You know, do do those kind of things that are that are easy. Whereas, as a mom, I mean, you have to like do it all. I well, mean, you're in the trenches. Yeah, and it's hard because you're not getting the sleep you need. They're getting up all night. I, I'm not getting up at night when my grandkids are. <laughs> when Sometimes I'm you do. Not, I don't get up in the middle of the night though. I mean, that's I'll get, true. I'll get up early with them, but they don't come get me if they're like. That's true. Mine, that tummy hurts. Yeah, the. Uh, I always say the closest to vacation 
that I could ever get is staying at my parents' house because I can just, Brooklyn comes in and she's like, can I go wake up grandma and grandpa? I'm like, yep, go ahead. <laughs> because I know you'll wake up with her. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's hard. I mean, you have to teach him everything. You have to teach him how to, I mean, teaching him how to talk and not say the wrong things in your households. They copy you. You know, you just you're teaching them how to be a good citizen, how to be kind, how to how to love Jesus, mm-hmm. all that, and learn about those things and be able to be the answer question answerer. And I mean, you, you just have it on a daily. You're it's a never ending barrage of things you have to do. So it's far harder as an adult. So as somebody who's been through all that and who now has adult children, like what is your advice? Because and and speaking of the different, you know, seasons of motherhood, like what advice do you have for me as your daughter um, who's going through that I think right now? You do do part of this anyway. I find that it's important that you listen to them. Um, I remember sitting in the, just specifically when you were little, sitting in the car and nonstop questions. <laughs> And I never sounds familiar to me. I never didn't answer them. You always answered them. Yeah, and I and I feel like all of our kids are like all my kids were like that. I did never just like stop asking questions. I just didn't do that. So I felt like that's something that's really important. That as a young mom, that you need to be present, and they need to know that you're always there and that you're always answer their questions, just if they ask them or whatever. I think that's important, and it's hard with today's social media and with things that it's very easy to get distracted. Uh, there's lots of distractions. Um, for me, also, I feel like um, allowing our, my kids to go and play for play dates and not necessarily me be there. I think that's important for you to let your kids go and socialize at a house and figure out conflict when you're not there. Yeah, I, you know what, actually, as you bring that up, I'm having some memories, you're jogging my memory of, I remember very specifically having like fights in like middle school or elementary school or whatever. And you were very adamant about not getting involved. Um, There were multiple times when we would get in fights with, you know, girls our age and um, other moms would approach you and like talk to you about it. And you never were the one, you never were the one to be, to be like, Hey, just so you know, like your daughter came over and this is what happened. You always just let us work it out. You would talk to us about it and you would give us advice. I remember specifically, um, when I was in, I think seventh grade, um, I walked to the bus stop with my best friend and we were in a fight and she, and I was like, I don't know what to do because she's still going to, she's going to come pick me up. She would knock on my door and then we'd walk to the bus stop together. Cause I was, my house was in the middle. And so I was like, I don't know what to do because she's going to knock on the door and, and then she's going to pretend everything's fine. And then as soon as the door closes, we're going to have to walk to the bus stop and she's not going to talk to me. And, and, you know, as a seventh grader, it was like the end of the world. Right. And I remember specifically you being like, well, you can just say, well, if you don't, if, if you're not going to be fine with this, like my mom will just walk with me to the bus stop and you just like, we're like basically like call her out on it. And you just, I remember you like talking me through and we would like almost like role play where it would be like, okay, so this is, so what if she says this? Or, you know, we would just go through the different things and you would give me advice on how to 
handle it, but you would never step in, which I think is important. And I know that I will have a problem with, and I hope that I can be able to gift that to, to my kids as well, because I do think that there is merit to them solving their own problems, especially because they're tiny, tiny problems. And obviously in the moment they feel huge. And so their emotional response triggers an emotional response within us as parents. And we want to help them, right? Like we want to protect them. We don't want them to feel hurt or sadness or anything like that. But I think it's important to give them that opportunity to learn and grow in that way. I, I also remember another instance when Madison was in second grade and how that all went down when she had a big old fight with her friends, got called in the principal's office. And I didn't go. I didn't go. I let them all go to the principal's office on their own. The girls. Mm-hmm. And they had to resolve it on their own. And then one of the little girl's moms wouldn't let her girl, her daughter play with Madison. And I was like, you know what? That And she called me on the phone. The mom. Mm-hmm. And rehashed everything out and why she, why she did what she did and why she thought Madison was in the wrong. And, and I just told her, I said, you know, you're, you have every right to your opinion. And I'm sure Madison's not innocent in this whole thing, but, you know, I'm going to let them work it out. And then at the end of the school year, her mom, this mom came and sat down by me. She's like, you know, I should have listened to your advice. I should have just let them figure it out on their own. She said, it was, it was stupid. And I was like, hmm, that's weird. <laughs> Sorry for you. Yeah. So anyway. Sorry that I'm wiser than you. And that didn't happen all the time, but I did try to not be like the the parent. And I think this is important. I think it's important that you don't think that your kid's not capable of doing that stuff because every kid is going to act differently outside of you and you, right. you teach them things that they're not supposed to do. Yes. Like I think, well, I think it's, you always, you always hear like the bully, like the parents come in and like that. My kid would never do that. My kid right. would never do that. And you can't say that because kids are mean. I mean, even as a four-year-old, sometimes Brooklyn will do things and say things. I'm like, what are you doing? But their little brains aren't developed. So, and I think we have to remember that. So I think it's important that you are in their corner. I think that's always something I try to do. And I think it's important as a parent that you're in their corner, but that you are aware that they're not perfect, that, that they could have been doing what this parent is saying they're doing. And you're not going to, you can need to defend them, but then you need to trust but verify does that make sense yeah but and i think also going back to what we were talking about before is then have a conversation with them about it and say hey this is what i'm being told like i need you to like let me know what's going on like give me the give me the real story like be honest with me and and establish that trust with them early so that they will be honest with you and so that they don't feel like they have to lie to you right and and that's important because i felt like that that trust relationship started early in all of you and as a result, I don't feel like you were sneaky, except for when you jumped out of the window onto this car, onto the trampoline. <laughs> that was a little sneaky. Um, but I mean, on the average, I mean, you weren't trying to sneak out at night. You weren't trying to do things and not tell me and your dad things because we trusted you until we didn't. And you, I felt like you knew that. I think felt like that was something. So, And I think that, we, and we've talked about this before too, but we just... The trust went both ways. Like I remember I had friends who had very strict curfews when I was a teenager. And I remember thinking it was weird. I was like, just text your parents and tell them you're going to be 30 minutes late. Like it's not that big of a deal or call them. Cause you know, we didn't have texting <laughs> or at least I didn't, right. I didn't have texting. Cause you guys were late to the party on everything. But 
yeah, like that was so strange to me because I was like, why, what, like, what's the big deal? Just tell them you're going to be 30 minutes late or whatever. Cause that was always just something that I would just be like, oh, hey, like we're just finishing up. I'll be home in 30 minutes or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it, like cause like I remember my curfew was like midnight mm-hmm. as, as was everybody's pretty much, I feel like. And yeah, I would just would be like, hey, cause my, cause the other thing was like, my friends lived really far. Like they sure. all lived like an hour away, like 45 minutes away. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I didn't want to be the first one to have to leave at like 11. Right. So, and you guys were always very understanding of that because we did have that mutual trust. And I feel like that's something that came from your dad because I, <laughs> once again, <laughs> did not like. Uh, you wanted to be in control. <laughs> I did. And your dad's like, it's fine. They're good kids. They haven't done anything that's violated our trust. I trust that they'll be fine and they'll come home and they'll be fine. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's fine. We'll let them do that. So I do um, think that's one thing. So my final question is, why do you think that we all turned out to be good people? And what is something that you look back on now that your kids are grown and think, I think that was something that was important, whether it was conscious or not. Looking back, what were the main things you feel like that, that made a difference? Really for the most part, as your teenage years living in our home, you just were good kids. And I just never, ever, ever, ever had to worry about what you were doing, why you were doing it, if I should be worried about what you were doing. Never, that never crossed my mind. So I feel like that was one thing. But I mean, I will reiterate, time spent together was the biggest thing. I mean, your dad worked shift work at Micron. So he was off Sunday, Monday, Tuesday of every week, worked every other Wednesday, and then worked the weekend. So when typical people were dating and going on dates on weekends, your dad and I just didn't go out. You just didn't get a babysitter on a school night. It just didn't happen. So mm-hmm. we did a lot together as a family, a lot. We went out a lot of places. We went out to eat dinner a lot together. We were we were together a lot as a family. Our dates did not consist of... Just you and just, dad. Yeah, and we didn't. I didn't have girls' nights out. Your dad didn't have guy nights out. Um we didn't. We went on vacation a lot together as a family. We didn't take mom and dad trips by ourselves. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. I just for me and your dad, it worked, and it worked in our family, and it worked in making us um, a closer knit, yeah, family. Yeah. So we spent a lot of time together. I mean, granted, when we watch TV, we watch your dad's programs. We watched a lot of shows that watched a lot of news programs. Yes. So, but I just feel like time spent together was very beneficial for us in our relationships. And I, I just felt like that allowed you to feel comfortable telling me about your friends who were sneaking out that you were like, I would never do that. I can't believe that they're doing that. Except for the one time I snuck oh. out and toilet paper to boy's house with a literal single roll of toilet paper and then my car got stuck in the mud I had to call you to come get me anyway (laughs) yeah worked out great and you left your phone in the car on the seat with the window down yeah and so you didn't sleep well that wasn't a well thought out sneaking out that's what I'm saying like I didn't know how to I didn't know how to do any of those those types of things yeah it just formulated a lot of trust between all of us and 
appreciated that. That was easy. It made my, my job as a parent a lot easier. And it allowed me to get to know you and each of you and your friends. And it's great. Well, obviously, I think you're a great mom. And honestly, I would say the majority of my friends, and I won't speak for everybody, but I mean, I know a lot of people think you're a good mom. So everybody listen to what she said because she's a really good mom, okay? I've learned a lot, though, having son-in-laws and comparing what growing up experiences were and 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 listening to my son-in-law and like he's like wow that's crazy you did all that stuff <laughs> <laughs> and then now that I have a second son-in-law said the same thing yeah so I mean I know I, I, I know I kind of was overboard in a lot of stuff that I did for my kids but well another thing that I really really think is an important quality in being a parent is being is still continuing to be teachable and having humility and being humble and being able to say, yeah, that was, I should have, that was wrong. I'm sorry. And apologizing because, and especially now that you have adult children who are your equals, you know, in that regard, um, I think that's a hard transition to make is like to looking at your children as your peers. Cause in your mind, they're always going to be your kids. Right. Right. And so being able to say like, I'm sorry, you're right. Like I was in the wrong there. I apologize. I will try to be better. Um, it's, you need, we, I just think that that's a really, another really important aspect of being a parent and, and, and honestly in any relationship, that's a really important aspect. And I think that's how you've been able to foster a relationship with us as well, is that you are a very humble person and you are the first one to be like, listen, I'm just, I, I'm probably wrong. I'm sorry. That was, that was, I shouldn't have done that. Like you're just the first one to apologize and recognize that you're very imperfect. And that's something that I really look up to in your personality and who you are and the way that you mothered. And, um, and I try to do that and I'm not perfect. (laughs) 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 But, But it's true. Look, I'm not perfect at it. Like I, there are times when I feel like I'm a little bullheaded because I'm definitely more bullheaded than you. Yeah. <laughs> I got that from my father. <laughs> but um but yeah, I think that that's that's a an aspect of motherhood that I think and just being a person, just being a person who wants to have a relationship with anybody whether it's your kids or your spouse or your friends or whoever or your siblings is that you have to you have to be able to say I'm sorry I was in the wrong. And that's something that you're very good at. So thank you for teaching us all how to be a great mom. (laughs) And you guys can all learn better, though. Learn to do better. Like be better than you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's I think that's something that's the beauty of each new generation is that we're able to take what what our parents taught us and make it better. Mm hmm. And I love when your dad says, Jacqueline is such a good mom. I just love watching her. She is such a good mom. And you are. And I can't wait to see each of your siblings in that role, too. Me, too. Tell them to hurry it up, because my kids need some cousins. Anyway. Get going. (laughs) All right. Well, 
thank you everybody for listening and thank you for uh, supporting me and please continue to follow on Instagram. Um, I'm hoping to do a, a question answer um, episode or like a submission story episode. So be looking for those on my uh, motheringthrough.pod Instagram. And um, just remember that we're all just doing the best that we can and you're doing better than you think you are. And tomorrow is a new day and I will talk to you guys next time. Thanks so much. Bye. Please consider subscribing and leaving a rating and review. Also, I'd love to hear from you. Send questions, stories, or general podcast feedback to motheringthrough.pod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.